Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 74. On this show, we are doing a week two recap of the NFL. We're going to be talking about trades. We're going to be talking about injuries that are just happening at such a rapid pace. I haven't seen so many quarterbacks go down in the first two weeks of the season. And it seems like it's just been, it's been crazy. It's been a roller coaster. So let's start with that, Ed. Let's start with your Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger, it's official now. He's out for the season. And you and I talked about it. The Steelers got rid of Dobbs. They committed to Mason Rudolph as their backup quarterback. He is in his second year. They drafted him on day two. He is supposedly their quarterback of the future. So we're going to find out what he's made of. So my two-part question, Ed, for you. What are the Steelers going to do without Ben Roethlisberger? Do they have a chance? And do you have the confidence on Mason Rudolph? Well, I think the Mason Rudolph pick was a great pick. I mean, for him to fall to them in the third round and then for them to trade up, I mean, this ended up being a key move because I mean if they were if they were going into this with Josh Dobbs I'd be really worried but I think with Mason Rudolph they could be an 8 and 8 team. I'm I still haven't given up on them but I I have to say with the Ben Roethlisberger, you know, I when I saw the injury I thought, "Oh man, this may me keep him out a week, you know, or uh you know, half a week, you know, maybe you know, maybe take a Wednesday practice off, but I didn't realize this was the type of injury that would keep him out an entire season. And then, then when they put him on IR, I was thinking, oh man, he's gonna come back. He, he's gonna come back. But, um, you know, the, the all the reports were saying that he's he's out for the year. And, um, so I mean, that was that was you know the Steelers got blindsided. And, um, you know, I, I'm just I'm not ready to I'm not ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater with the Steelers this year. I don't think they're a playoff team, but I still think they're a 500 team. I think. You know they 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 were aggressive in getting Minka Fitzpatrick. That was a that was actually an excellent move. Um, Let's focus on Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers just moving forward. So they ship Antonio Brown out of town. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell wasn't going to come back, but right now, I mean, they've got injuries to James Conner, the the guy that they relied on last year. He's also dealing with some with some injury. It seems like he's going to play, but. Um, he's not 100%. Mason Rudolph, I mean, a guy who's never started. He's never gotten an NFL start before. Steelers were struggling early on. They were. I mean, they looked brutally bad against the Patriots. And week two wasn't looking that good uh, until Roethlisberger went down. I just, the Steelers are in trouble. There's no way they can make the playoffs, right? Well, I thought I thought in the Seahawks game, if Ben stayed in that game, they would have won the game. And I don't mean if Ben stayed in that game without the injury. I mean... If Ben stayed in that game without the injury, uh, you know, the, the fact that Ben got hurt was pretty much, you know, they had to rely on Mason Rudolph and they just weren't able to keep up with the scoring. Um, the defense didn't have the best game, but I mean, the Seahawks are a good football team and so are the Patriots. So, and, and the Steelers never beat the Patriots. So I, that's why I, I keep saying it. I, I still think the Steelers are an eight and eight team. Well, 8-8 eight and eight is not going to get you into the playoffs. And the Steelers are going to play my 49ers on Sunday. And Bovada Sportsbook has the 49ers as the favorites in this game, which is no surprise. But their line is minus 7. They've got the this 49ers as the favorites, minus 7 over the Steelers. 
a bit high, even though, again, my San Francisco 49ers are 2-0 right now. There's there's a lot of optimism out there in the Bay Area. Certainly Jimmy Garoppolo's played good, and you know the 49ers are playing well. But I don't think the 49ers have really played anybody, whereas I think the Steelers have. So I, I, I could see this game going either way, but a seven-point spread, I mean, that's, that, that isn't fair to the Steelers. I would take the underdog in that game. You actually mentioned Minka Fitzpatrick. Obviously, the Dolphins are trading all their good players, all their young players. Uh, it's just I've never seen anything like this before. I mean, they, they hired a few people from the Patriots, and they're just getting rid of everybody. And they get a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick. Obviously, the Dolphins drafted him in the first round. They get a first-round back. Uh, what do you think about this trade? Is he like, is this too much for the Steelers? I mean, they do have some safeties on the roster. And um, how does Minka Fitzpatrick fit in? I mean, they've, they've got some guys that they've spent high picks on, like in round one and, and day two. How does Minka Fitzpatrick fit in with, with the Steelers? Well, Sean Davis is hurt, so that's that's the number one reason why it was good to acquire free safety. He's going to be their free safety. Uh, you know, Sean Davis hired Drew Rosenhouse, and so that was pretty much his signal that he doesn't want. He doesn't want to stay with the Steelers. He just wants to get the most money, and the Steelers won't pay the most money for him. Um, the Steelers have a lot of needs on the defensive side of the ball. I think the last like six or seven years they've drafted the defensive side of the ball. I think this is a good move because I don't really see a first round pick that fits their team that would be a good pick for them in the first round. So even if they pick in the top ten, I still I still like the move. I still like Minka Fitzpatrick because I think he's a good fit for their team. He's going to address a need. Um, you know, I, I mean, can the defense can the defense carry the Steelers this year? Can they rise up with basically a guy and Mason Rudolph who's never started before? Uh, can they rise up and and get the Steelers into the playoffs? Because I mean, you give them eight and eight chance of um, finishing, getting a record of eight and eight. That's not going to get you into the playoffs, Ed. Certainly, they're not gonna they're not gonna make the playoffs this year. I mean, it's just hard to do without your franchise quarterback. Um, but I, I just, I mean, some people are saying the Steelers are gonna be a you know a top ten picker, top five picker, and I, I just don't see it that way. I th- I, th- right. I, th- I think they have I think they have a good enough defense. I think Mason Rudolph is good enough to win eight games for them. So that's that's the way I see it. I but. Uh, I mean, yeah, this is this is the type of team that, and this is the type of following that wants to make the playoffs every year and win the Super Bowl every year. So certainly, it's gonna feel like a disappointment. It's gonna feel like a disappointment from last year, and so certainly, certainly, it's not it's not all roses. But I I I'm not I'm not totally discouraged by this team. Mike Tomlin buys himself another year, Ed, because I mean they're not gonna fire him even if this team collapses and finishes 5-11, and 11, right? I mean, Tomlin has an excuse that he didn't have his, his starting quarterback for the year. So Tomlin is going to stay with the Steelers once again. I mean, the Steelers tenure their coaches, so I, I don't see Tomlin leaving. I mean, there there have been rumors that, you know, minority owners have wanted to see him go, but really the majority owners have never really wanted to fire their coaches. And I think I think it would have to be something pretty drastic for Tomlin to get fired, to be totally honest. And I think he's actually one of the better coaches, and he's actually well-respected around the league. 
Let's talk about the New Orleans Saints. You and I were both looking forward to that game on Sunday between the Rams and the Saints. That was going to be the big one. Um, obviously, it didn't go the, the way it was supposed to, especially for the New Orleans Saints, because Drew Brees got injured. Now he's out. How long is he out for, Ed? Brees is going to be out six weeks, I'm guessing. Um you know, I still think the Saints the Saints will be fine. Once they get Breeze back, they can make a run in the playoffs. They probably won't get that division, but they could definitely get in the wild card. So I'm It's not... gonna be a tough one. I mean, I love Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is an accurate quarterback that has great ball placement, obviously. I mean, but he hasn't had the best of luck when he has relieved uh, Drew Brees in, in spot duty. And he looked pretty good in preseason, but I didn't see the same Teddy Bridgewater this week uh, that I expected, and uh, he's got to hold down the fort, but it sounds like Sean Payton is going to play the, the two-quarterback system. He's going to let Teddy Bridgewater be the pocket passer, and he's going to run some, some special packages for Taysom Hill because he's the athlete. He's the running quarterback. This is going to be this is going to be an interesting offense to watch. I think they have pretty much the best backup situation in the NFL. I mean, if there's one team that can afford to have a, a lose their quarterback, it's the Saints. I think Teddy Bridgewater is the best backup quarterback in the NFL, and I think Taysom Hill is just an interesting player to have on your team. Yeah, he he definitely is, and it seems like Sean Payton is really enamored with him. Uh, I think he likes Teddy Bridgewater, but. I think he's thinking of the possibilities that he could, the things that he can do with Taysom Hill moving forward. So it's just going to be an interesting situation. I mean, they're they're going to rotate both guys, and I'm sure Teddy Bridgewater will start. But Sean Payton is going to go with the hot hand, I assume. I mean, who, whoever is doing better, if the offense is, is moving forward, better with Taysom Hill. I mean, Hill could relieve Teddy Bridgewater in the second half. I see that as a possibility. I could see that happening. Uh, Taysom Hill can play quarterback, but I think he's more dynamic when you kind of bring him in in the Wildcat or do something interesting with him, do something creative with him. I think that's the way Taysom Hill works. I don't think Taysom Hill is necessarily a great quarterback when he's the only quarterback. Jalen Ramsey, let's talk about him. Obviously, I think the Saints can, can move forward, Ed. I think they've got a chance. They've got a good backup quarterback. Sean Payton is a really uh, dynamic offensive mind, and I think the defense will rise a little bit. I think the Saints will stay in the hunt. I'm totally giving up on the Steelers right now. I mean, that pick of them winning the AFC North is just, it, it looks brutal right now with uh, Ben Roethlisberger out. Let's move on to another AFC team, something I guess I didn't expect. I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars. There were rumors last year. Uh, that the Jaguars were entertaining trading Jalen Ramsey. This was in the offseason. This was during the draft. We heard this, that Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone were entertaining the idea of trading, I would say, their best defensive player. Um, and now it looks like that's a strong possibility because there's there was a leaked report that Jalen Ramsey asked for a trade after that, that blow-up with Doug Marone. What the hell happened on the sideline? I mean, Doug Marone isn't the nicest coach out there. I mean, he's really fired up, but and they just got in each other's face. And then all of a sudden, Ramsey sits down on the bench, and then there's a video of Doug Marone coming over, and it seems like he wants to punch Jalen Ramsey or something like that. The, another heated debate. So uh, do you anticipate that Ramsey is going to get traded? Um, I'm not talking about this week, but before the trade deadline. He'll definitely be traded before the trade deadline. I think what will happen is, is they're going to have him play this Thursday night game. 
And then after that, I think pr probably, you know, Friday, you know, into the weekend, um, they're going to entertain offers. They, they pretty much have no choice but to trade him now. He doesn't want to be there, and it's it's not going to be worth it to try to keep him. He's just going to be a headache for them. I can tell he's already a hothead. Um, the, the issue I think that they're going to run into with this trade is that uh, the Jaguars are looking for two first-round picks. And the problem with the two first-round picks is who wants to give two first-round picks for a good corner, an all-pro corner on one hand, but a guy who's kind of a hothead and kind of a tough guy to have in the locker room? I mean, we've seen with you know teams acquiring guys like Antonio Brown um, you know, is it really worth it to acquire these hotheads, you know, these sort of egoist types of players and whether they're, whether they're deserving of, you know, whether they're great players on the field is kind of inconsequential when you consider the fact that they can mess up a locker room. I agree with you on that. I mean, he, he is a great player. He is a great corner. There's no, I don't doubt that he's a shutdown guy and it's interesting how it worked out. I mean, he played at Florida state. He goes to Jacksonville, not too far. He becomes the, the star player very, very quickly. All of a sudden, he's just not getting along with the coaching staff, and there, there's some issues there. And I think that the Jaguars, they want to move on. And, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on this situation. But there's no way in hell they're going to get two first-round picks for him. I actually believe that it's still a reach if they get a first-round pick for him. I'm sure someone will give it up. Maybe somebody will throw in a, a player in return. But I see a best, maybe a first and a third round pick. Let's entertain like a team or a couple of teams. What do you think? I mean, some teams that might have some extra picks that that might be in the market for Jalen Ramsey. Somebody that has a strong-willed coach that, in front office that can put up with him. Well, I mean, there's a couple of teams that come to mind. Uh, I think the Raiders and the Patriots, I mean, they, you've seen both of these teams take risks on players like this. Um, you know, the Raiders obviously took a chance on Antonio Brown. And I think John Gruden actually handled the Antonio Brown situation really well. So I feel like he is the type of coach that could handle a Jalen Ramsey. Obviously, a corner would really help the Raiders right now. Um, and I, th I think, I know this is going to make some people really upset. And, it, you know, deep down, it kind of upsets me too. But I, I could see Jalen Ramsey going to the Patriots. And I, I didn't want to say it first off, but <laughs> I mean, when, when I think about it, I mean, I think that's a very real possibility. I mean, just think about, think about the two shutdown corners. You have Jalen Ramsey on one side, and then you have um, the guy from Buffalo um, that they've had for a couple of years. Stephon Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore, yeah. So I mean, you'd have you'd have two elite corners, and it seems like the Patriots now are, are not are not against stocking their their lineup with talent. Um, so I mean, just imagine just imagine on the edge, you got Antonio Brown, you got Julian Edelman, you got Rid uh, Gilmore, and you've got Jalen Ramsey, and yeah, I mean, there's definitely a couple of knuckleheads and. I mean, if they're, but I mean, that would just be such a loaded team. I mean, it's a possibility. You never know. I mean, the Patriots are always willing to take uh, on on these talented guys that are head cases, but they let them win football games. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Patriots are not going to be involved. I think the Raiders, it's going to be tough for them. 
I mean, look at the, the hit that they took from the Antonio Brown debacle. I mean, it does look bad for Mike Mayock. And they're probably weighing the options, but they're thinking, God, is this going to happen again? I mean, if we don't win, is Jalen Ramsey going to be a problem? And the Raiders aren't going to win right now. They're not. They're not a winning team. So I'm going to throw out my 49ers, Ed. I think Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers are looking for a shutdown corner. Richard Sherman is no longer that. I mean, he's he's a good player, but he's no longer what he used to be. And the 49ers don't have that number one corner. They're 2-0 and right now, so I'm... I'm pulling for my Niners to to make an aggressive move, to give a first-round pick, because right now that first-round pick doesn't look like a top-ten pick. I mean, it looks like the 49ers are going to be in the hunt for a playoff race, possibly. So I'm willing to give up a mid-first-round pick for somebody like Jalen Ramsey. I think that would be that would be really, really good. Well, certainly, certainly the the 49ers would be a good fit. But I mean, I wonder if 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 that that front office would really li- like a a Jalen Ramsey in that locker room. I mean, it seems like they have a pretty good locker room situation going on right now. Would you want to take a guy like Jalen Ramsey who could be a potential problem for them? I would, uh, because his talent outweighs his his baggage a little bit. Because I know that he's a player on the football field. Whatever problems he's had with the Jacksonville Jaguars and Doug Marone. I think the 49ers will be able to handle. We have a good defensive line. Our offense is playing pretty well. Garoppolo is doing well. I think we need that corner. We need somebody in the secondary that can make some plays. Jalen Ramsey can be a big-time talent for us. And and that's the reason why I think the 49ers has got, have gotten off to a hot start. They're 2-0 and right now. they got to keep it going. And I think Ramsey might be that answer in the secondary when you know the 49ers are going to go against those number one wide receivers. And all due respect to Richard Sherman, he's going to be a Hall of Famer one day, but he's playing on his last, last legs right now. So he would he would probably replace Akella Witherspoon, right? That would be the guy he would replace in San Francisco? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I would feel much better about Jalen Ramsey being out there than Akella Witherspoon, with all due respect. And by the way, my 49ers are playing your Steelers on Sunday, Ed, and Bavada has got the San Francisco 49ers at minus seven over the Steelers. Um, already obviously mentioned that. Let's talk about the, the Thursday night game. The, the Titans over Jaguars. Uh, Titans, Bavada has the Titans minus two over the Jaguars. Can the Jacksonville Jaguars basically like resurrect their season? I mean, or is, or is this the end, basically? Nick Foles has gone down. Jalen Ramsey is asking for a trade. They got off to a bad start. And I'm actually surprised that the Titans are only favored at minus two, which Bovada has them at minus two on Thursday night over the Jaguars. See, I think the Titans are a better team than people are talking about right now, and I don't think they're getting the proper respect that they deserve. Um, the Jaguars have a great defense, but the fact is is that Gardner Minshew is not going to win you games. Ah, uh, Maybe that's a possibility. But again, uh, do you think that do you think that basically the, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be looking for another quarterback on the market? Because like I said, I, I'm not a believer in Gardner Minshew right now as a rookie. I mean, that's not what the Jacksonville Jaguars were, were hoping for. Do you think that the Jacksonville Jaguars will try to be aggressive and make a move for a quarterback? I think they're hosed right now because I think they're they're sort of tied to Nick Foles for a couple of years and you know what about Dobbs you think they'll give him a shot you and I talked about it I mean will Dobbs get a get an opportunity to to be the starter 
the problem with Josh Dobbs is that he's so inconsistent. He, I mean, he he can flash, but I don't. I mean, he's almost he's almost kind of like a poor man's Deshaun Watson. I mean, that's that's kind of what I would compare him to. And we've seen Deshaun Watson do well in the league, but I just I, I worry about Josh Dobbs. You know, turning the ball over, fumbling the ball. Um, you know, just being inaccurate in passes, being inconsistent. Um, but certainly Josh Dobbs is a guy who, you know, he may come into the game and, you know, four plays into it, throw a deep ball 70 yards, and all of a sudden their, you know, Twitter blows up and, you know, everyone's, everyone's saying, oh, you know, what we, you know, what, what were people thinking of, about missing on Dobbs? But, I mean, he's, he's kind of a boomer bust player, but I don't think, I don't, I mean, as a third year player, he really hasn't developed that consistency that he should have in his first two years. Let's talk about week two in the NFL. Um, I thought there were a couple of exciting games, but obviously I mentioned before, I mentioned earlier that the Saints were playing against the Rams. It's unfortunate that Breeze got injured. Um, the Rams beat the Saints 27-9. to Do you feel a lot better uh, about the Rams after watching them in week two? I thought the Rams were going to win that game even if Drew Brees stayed in the game. I thought the Rams came off to a good start, and I, and I picked them to win that game, and I think I picked them on this show. So I think the Rams. I think the Rams are a good team, but at the same time, at the same time, I mean, you know, the, the Rams were basically handed the win. Just like I mean, a lot of teams were handed a win. The Cleveland Browns were handed a win on on Monday night. I mean, they were playing against a third string quarterback and against the Jets. I mean, they. I mean, the, the, uh, did you see that game? It was like, it was like, they they were just they they almost you you could have almost called. The other, t- he could have almost called the the Browns up and told them you were going to run the ball, and they were still going to run the ball to Le'Veon Bell. I thought the most exciting game during Week Two was Philadelphia Eagles against the Atlanta Falcons. It seems like after Week One, people were starting to write off the Atlanta Falcons, but they came up with the big win. Carson Wentz against Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan made a few more plays on the end than that. That late touchdown on fourth down, Julio Jones coming up big. Uh, He took a short pass and and took it 54 yards to the end zone. So the Falcons uh, rebounded and they just and they beat a really good Philadelphia Eagles team. Yeah, that that was a good game, and uh, I mean a lot of a lot of these you know primetime matchups have been sort of you know hurt by these quarterbacks getting hurt. But that was one of the few games where the quarterbacks were still healthy and playing and. Um, you know, it was a good matchup, and it was what what I'm sure it was what the NFL imagined when they put that on Monday night in the first two weeks. I mean, the, I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, that was on Sunday night. It was, it was, but uh, yeah, they they definitely got a a great game out there. By the way, your Packers pick, yeah, you picked them to win the NFC North, and uh, right now it's it's looking good. I mean, they beat a Minnesota Vikings team. Packers ride Rodgers' hot start, and they won 21 to 16. Yeah, the, I I really thought the Packers would be good this year. I think I think you know the the with Rodgers having his coach and um you know having his team and being a franchise quarterback. I think I think there's a, there's some problems with the Bears and I think people weren't really seeing it. I mean, they did win against the Broncos, but the problem is is that the Bears the Bears have a great defense, but I just I'm not really a big believer in Mitchell Trubisky, and I'm not a big believer in their offense. I think they have to run the ball and play defense to win games, but I don't think that's enough to win the division. Mitch Trubisky has been brutal so far, if anybody has watched him uh, play for the Bears. I mean, he's he's gotten off to a rough start, and it's just 
It, it's been tough to watch. It's been brutal. Hopefully he gets it together. I think the, my most surprising team so far, Ed, I got to give it to him. I thought the Buffalo Bills were going to be like picking in the top five. And I mean, with all due respect, the defense is carrying them. I realize that they've only they played against the Jets and the Giants. I, I get it. But they beat the Giants 28-14. to 14. They're, they're off to a good start. They've won two games. And, uh, you know, if their defense continues to play well, They've got a shot. I'm not saying they're gonna they're gonna win the division. Obviously, the Patriots probably have that division wrapped up already. But the Bills are in the hunt for the playoffs even early right now. I mean, I'm I'm saying it. The Bills are looking pretty good. Yeah, and I think Josh Allen is actually playing better than than we thought he would. I mean, he's he seems like he's playing under better control than um, you know we we saw kind of in his Wyoming tape. So. Um, you know, it, it just goes to show, I mean, you, you can watch the tape, you can look at the combine, you can, you know, hear the interviews on these players, but it's it's really hard to, you know, and even for these scouts, but it's really hard to know what a quarterback will be in the league. And, um, you know, I thought, I, I thought you know, it looked like with, with Josh Allen that he'd be kind of boomer bust, but, I mean, what he's really becoming is steady. I wanted to talk about one more NFL news, and that's just a recent story that has come out. The New York Giants decided to to bench Eli Manning, and they're giving Daniel Jones a go. He's getting his shot. He is become he is going to be the starting quarterback in Week Three. I certainly didn't expect that. I didn't expect the Giants to to put in Daniel Jones during the first month month of the season. Yeah, and this is really just going to be a big mess for the Giants. I mean, they they're, they're going to find out early that Daniel Jones was a miss for them, and I mean, you know. He, it was it's the right move in the sense that you you want to you want to you know let Daniel Jones get comfortable in the regular season and then give him a shot and see what you have in him because there is a chance that he could be a good quarterback but from from what my intuition tells me about Daniel Jones I think he's going to be a bust and I think I think the Giants are going to be a mess for a few years and their defense isn't looking very good either so that's a te- that's a team to be looking forward to picking the top 10 again I honestly believe that Pat Shermer is desperate he knows that his Giants team isn't really good, and what he wants to show is that he has the opportunity to develop Daniel Jones. He wants to show the the front office and and the owners that hey, I'm the right guy to coach Daniel Jones. You know, in the future, I, I wanted to ask you one more question: Is Eli Manning? Everybody's talking about it, so I'm going to throw it out to you: Is Eli Manning a Hall of Fame quarterback? You know. He, if he gets in, it's because it's gonna be because he won that Super Bowl against there were the two Super Bowls against the Patriots, but I don't I don't think he's as good as most Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I think I think you know he he might get in just kind of on the political part of well he you know he was the quarterback of the of of the, you know a big market team like the Giants and he won a couple of Super Bowls and he was their franchise quarterback for a while, but. I, I don't I don't put him in that you know in that category with Brady and Rodgers and you know sort of Mahomes and Roethlisberger to kind of stay in that generation. No, absolutely not. I'm not going to put him here either. But the thing is, he won the big games down the stretch, and he did win those two Super Bowls against the Patriots, and he played some of his best games during those Super Bowl runs. It seemed like when he was on the big stage, he got it done. So I give him respect. And you know what? Having Manning as the last name, 
it's definitely going to help him down the road. I'm not saying he's going to get in right away when he's eligible, but, you know, when Peyton goes in and obviously, you know, it, we know who his father is, I think Eli is is going to be in the Hall of Fame as well. Yeah. You All know. right, let's – yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just I was just going to say – I was just going to say that, I mean, it'd be interesting if they, if they sort of, you know, put it, put in Canton, like a, like a little section for the Manning brothers, you know, one for Peyton, one for Eli. And even though I don't know if Archie Manning is in the hall of fame, but just one for Archie Manning. And then actually, I thought one of the interesting stories that I heard was that Cooper Manning was actually, the brother was actually at one time better than both of them. And I guess he had a serious injury and he never got into the league. He did, but he also played wide receiver. He never got a chance to play quarterback in in college, so they they moved Cooper uh, to uh, to wide receiver, and he never got a chance to play. Obviously, Peyton and Eli, we all know what they did at Tennessee and Old Miss, respectively, and then what they did in the league. Um, let's move on to the scouting reports. We do the breakdowns every week. We put in and. And talk about one offensive player, one defensive player. I know guys that listen to the show that they love this part, us talking about the NFL draft in September and and featuring some big time guys. So <clears throat> let's talk about the running back from Ohio State, J.K. Dobbins, who burst onto the scene as a freshman. Um, you know, had a had a big time year. Uh, then he continued to do some good things as a sophomore. He actually went over a thousand yards again. Um, even though he split carries with Mike Weber. He's off to a hot start right now, Ed. Uh, obviously, they played Florida Atlantic, Cincinnati, Indiana. He's already gone over 100 yards in two of those games, and he scored four touchdowns. So let's talk about Dobbins as an NFL prospect because I assume that he's going to enter the draft in 2020. Yeah, and I think he's a first-round talent. And I think you know, I think there's about four first-round talents in this draft. Um, all of them are true juniors. Um, but the thing I really like about him is that I think he cuts well. I mean, I I haven't seen a prospect in a while that just, you know, cuts as well as J.K. Dobbins. I think he's also a guy with good vision. I think he can catch out of the backfield. I love what he does in pass protection. I mean, this is this is a guy who came from a big school, so I mean, you know, but he's he, he's kind of he's kind of got that, you know, sort of tough mentality, sort of sort of he plays with a little bit of a little bit of an edge he plays a little bit like an underdog for an ohio state guy um and he's kind of a guy i root for i mean i like his toughness as a runner i think you know he is he is kind of a smaller back he isn't you know sort of your traditional big back he's not a jonathan taylor or you know you know in that in as terms of size but he's got the toughness to to basically be considered you know that primary back workhorse back um I really like his power from his size. Um, I guess I guess if there's one thing I I'm sort of worried about him is uh, he's not as explosive as a runner. So I wonder what his upside is. I wonder if his upside is really you know sort of that high. But I think I think he's a legitimate runner in the league. Well, he could definitely take it to the house though, Ed. I mean, he can he could take it the distance. He could take it 80 yards because I think he has great speed. This is a guy that's going to run in the low four fours. Uh, he's going to be about 5'9", 215, 220. Uh, I mean, that that's pretty good right now in, in today's NFL. I mean, we see the, the success that, that some undersized backs have had. So I think J.K. Dobbins is is just his receiving ability, his 
his ability to make those sharp cuts. You and I talked about DeAndre Swift last week, but Dobbins is pretty similar. Do you agree with that? Yeah, there's differences though. I, I mean, I think I think DeAndre Swift is more of a sort of a you know just explosive sort of lightning back, whereas I think J.K. Dobbins is kind of a guy who you know will kind of run a little bit slower and sort of get the right cut and made me look a little bit more, be a little bit more patient. Um, there's there's definitely, I mean, in pass protection, I'd definitely take J.K. Dobbins. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe probably in, you know, pass catching out of the backfield, I'd probably take DeAndre Swift. Another guy, J.K. Dobbins is another guy that, that can do it all. Um, I mean, his, his pass protection ability, you mentioned that. I like his receiving ability. He has... He has that down. He's been doing that as a freshman, as a sophomore, catching the ball. They should feature him a little bit more as a result uh, during his junior year. I just think Dobbins is also a special talent. You and I keep harping on this, that this wide receiver and running back class is going to be really, really special. And, I mean, if these guys continue to go at this rate, I mean, Dobbins is definitely going to be a top 15, top 20 pick. And I think he can vie for that number one spot. He can challenge guys like DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor as well. I, I I don't know if I don't know if I see him as the sort of speed guy. Like I I would imagine at the combine. I think I'm seeing it a little differently than you. I, see, I imagine him at the combine running like a decent, being more of like a four or five kind of guy. But having a good having a good three cone. I think you know I think he'll run well in the three cone. But I I don't see him being like a a four a four four type of guy in the combine. For, you don't no. I mean uh, I, I think he's I, mean, we I think he's got legitimate. Stuff. We, right. I mean, I guess we'll see during the scouting combine. I see a 4-4 guy. I see a guy that's going to do well in the three cone and the agility drills. I think he's a he's a good athlete. And uh, I, I was kind of surprised last year they, they featured Mike Weber as well. I actually thought that Dobbins should have been the feature back. He still went over 1,000 yards. It was just interesting to see this uh, by committee. I mean, the running back approach by committee. Um I think Dobbins is going to get his 1,500 yards this year and, and continue to do well. Yeah, so you want to move on to, I mean, is there anything else? I, I mean, the, the thing I like about J.K. Dobbins is I don't see a lot of weaknesses. I mean, do, do you really see any big weaknesses? I don't. To be honest with you, I don't. I, I think a lot of weaknesses come from running backs not being able to pass protect, but I don't have that problem with him. I mean, he's he is a guy that can stand in there on third down and can – has pass protect pretty well for for a guy who's about 20 years old. That's to me that's that's really special. And because usually when guys come into the NFL, you got to teach them. I mean, you got to show them how to be a good pass protector. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have many weaknesses with J.K. Dobbins. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we're going to talk about a pass rusher from Boise State. Uh, his name is Curtis Weaver. And um, Ed, tell us about his. Uh, strengths and weaknesses as a football player well what i like about him is i think he could really fit in either scheme uh in in a 4-3 he's going to be a defensive end and a 3-4 he's also going to be a defensive end um what i like about him is i think he's a good pass rusher i mean i just noticed in the mountain west he was bringing consistent pressure um the other thing i like about him is i think he's a good hand fighter um but you know sort of from the run run stopping point of view um he he does need to fill the running lanes better i think he has some run stopping ability i think he can get past the offensive line but 
Um, you know, as far as filling the running lanes, I think he, I think he needs some work there. Um, one thing that I'm kind of seeing about him is I notice he kind of winds down a little bit as the game goes on. Um, you know, he, 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 he did really dominate in the mountain West, but I noticed, I noticed as the game went on, he, he wasn't, it seems like in the first half, he's like all, you know, almost every play he's bringing pressure, bringing pressure, bringing pressure. And it seems like he gets kind of tired as the game goes on. I want to mention this, though. Obviously, he's dominating at Boise State. It's a non-Power 5 conference. It's Mountain West Conference, a good conference, but this isn't the SEC. This isn't the ACC. He is disruptive. He has a very good get-off. He's got a quick first step. But you look at him, he's listed at about 6'3", 255. I mean, he's closer to 6'2", Ed. I, I don't think he's going to be able to stay as a 4'3 defensive end. Do you see him as more of a 3'4", outside linebacker at the next level? No, I see I see him as kind of a bigger guy. I actually I actually think he goes the opposite way. Um, I think he, he could be a 3'4 defensive end. I think he could play that 5 technique, and I think you can move him inside. I think that's how is he going to do that? I mean, he's about 6'2", 255. I mean, if he puts on, gets closer to like two seventy or two seventy five. I mean, how do you how do you see that? I mean, you need guys that are bigger to to hold on the edge. I mean, isn't going to be a mismatch out there? I mean, you mentioned that he's not a good run defender. Well, I see I see him as a two hundred sixty six pound guy, and so I, I would assume that you know if a team wants to put him in a three four. That he can bulk up to 270, and I mean 270 is a legitimate size for a 3-4 defensive end. 6-2 is a bit undersized, possibly. I, I have him at 6-3, so I I don't. I mean, I think we're getting our numbers from different places. But I mean, he's 6-3 officially on like Boise State uh, website or ESPN website. We all know that's going to be closer to 6-2, though. Well. I mean, the thing is, is, though, is when I look at him on tape, I see a big player. I see a big body. I see a guy who, who has a big body but has explosiveness. So I actually think it would be really creative to see him as a 3-4 defensive end because he's going to be a lot quicker than any 3-4 not any, but most 3-4 defensive ends. He's going to be a lot quicker. So I think he could be a really good pass rusher, and I think he has, I think he has the size. You don't have a problem. I mean, being a smaller guy, I still say smaller guy compared to some other guys who are 285, 290, you know, 300 guys who are playing defensive end in today's game. He's going to get washed out against double teams. I, I see a guy who can really hand fight. And, I mean, Curtis Weaver, Curtis Weaver isn't necessarily like... He isn't necessarily like an Ed Oliver or an Aaron Donald type where he, you know, you're going to expect him to draw double teams in the NFL, but I think I think he's going to win a lot of one-on-one matchups. I think you put him against a tackle and I think he's going to do well in a 3-4. Uh, you and I both mentioned that we believe JK Dobbins is a first-round prospect. How do you feel about Curtis Weaver? You know, I think in a week in a week class, uh week defensive class, I mean, teams are going to be looking for defensive players. I actually think he sneaks into the mid mid first round. I think, I think you know if you want a three four defensive end, there's Epinensa and then there's Curtis Weaver. So, um, I think I think he's actually a mid first rounder. Wow, that's that's fairly high. I mean, not many people actually have put Curtis Weaver at the end of the first round in a couple of my mock drafts, but I still think it's a bit high. I mean, he's a he's a redshirt junior, so it remains to be seen whether he enters the NFL draft or not. So. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I mean, we're talking about two guys and Dobbins and Weaver who you feel are both first round picks. 
Well, he did. He did really dominate in the Mountain West. I mean, he, you know, I saw I saw him play against BYU, and I saw saw him play against Colorado State, and I thought both of those games, you know, he was he was he was a step ahead of that competition. He definitely is. I mean, he, there's a guy that that's definitely in the Mountain West Conference. He has been dominant, and I just want to see how he will do against you know bigger competition. I think that that's my only question mark there. Uh, I would like to see him dominate against the bigger schools. But the thing is, is that you have to you have to take it at the tape that he has, and I think he's. I mean, he's he's done he's done well. I mean, I've seen him, you know, this season having sacks against good schools. Um, you know, in their non conference schedule, they're playing the big schools, and I've seen him I've seen him have production. So I don't I don't know if that whole argument's going to hold up with his twenty nineteen tape. Yeah, that's it's going to be interesting to keep to keep an eye on Curtis Weaver, and um, we'll, we'll see what what happens with him. Yeah, just my closing thought, I guess, is I haven't seen so many starting quarterbacks go down this early. I just I don't remember a time like that. You and I talked about Nick Foles last week going down. Now we talk about Drew Brees missing a lot of time, Roethlisberger being out for the entire season. Quarterbacks are dropping like flies, and you got to have a good backup quarterback in order to succeed and uh, move forward and you know be able to to compete, have a winning record and compete for a playoff spot because I mean these things are bound to happen, but I haven't seen this in a while. Just st- great starting quarterbacks dropping like flies. Yeah, I, I I mean I said last show, you know, before this all happened that this has been a big year for injuries, but now now I see this is a big year for key injuries. A lot of teams are you know the playoff hunt. I mean, I th- I thought my predictions were pretty good this year, but I, I mean, a lot of my predictions were warped by the fact that you know quarterbacks that I, you know that that I expected to have big years, you know, got hurt. And I mean, you know, how how can you see that coming when you're making your predictions? No, absolutely. I mean, you can't. It's just freak injuries, and obviously you're putting the Saints and the Steelers into the playoffs because you believe that Roethlisberger and Breeze are going to continue to drive their teams in deep into the playoffs you you don't expect teddy bridgewater to take over or mason rudolph to take over this early so it's going to be interesting whether i i actually have the the confidence that the saints can pull through but they're not going to be missing breeze for the entire season it's more for a half a season i mean once he comes back it's going to take him a while to to get into shape but he's a veteran i mean he's going to pull through the steelers are in, in a real trouble here Ben Roethlisberger is going to miss, you know, Big Ben is going to miss the entire year. And it's it's asking a lot for Mason Rudolph to to play well consistently week in and week out. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is I mean, Drew Brees was a thumb. I mean, Roethlisberger was an elbow. These weren't like big injuries. They weren't, they weren't like gruesome injuries. But these are injuries that are really keeping these guys out a long time. You know, the, the, I mean, they're, they're not like injuries that I think, you know, will be – I don't think they're the types of injuries that these guys will be remembering when they're 50, but they, they're really keeping them out of the season. Yeah, my one wish, though, I mean, I, I wish the Steelers luck, Ed, but um, say Mason Rudolph struggles, maybe Devlin Hodges gets a chance to, to get in there and, and be the starting quarterback of the Steelers this year. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you were right about Devlin Hodges. I mean, he started out as a as a guy who basically was the number four quarterback, but he, he won that over Brogan Roback in tryouts. And then, you know, he was the number four and, you know, it seemed it seemed like he, he, he was right in the thick of things with Dobbs and Rudolph. 
and then uh you know for it seemed like i don't know what it was but he they, they cut him and i thought you know at least keep him on the practice squad i mean and he said he was going to the xfl then of course uh you know um they trade josh dobbs and they put him on the practice squad and then Ben goes down, and all of a sudden now he's the backup quarterback. So, I mean, he, I think it was a little premature for him to see himself as an XFL guy because I mean, I thought he, I thought he showed, I thought he had a really good preseason, and I'm, I'm actually kind of encouraged by his development. But Tomlin's been saying that he likes him in the short term because he's been with them. But I, I see this guy developing, and I think he could be a legitimate backup quarterback in the league. All right, Ed. I mean, you're on my bandwagon right now. You're like driving Devlin Hodges right now. You you warmed up to Dobbs. Uh, then Dobbs got traded to the Jaguars. You kind of like said, hey, I, I don't want him as a backup quarterback. I feel better about Mason Rudolph. Hey, you're warming up to Devlin Hodges. In the beginning, you were saying, I mean, he looked all right in the preseason, but come on. I mean, he's going to be on the practice squad. Maybe the Steelers lose him, but they've been moving him up. I mean, freak injury. We, we've seen some crazier things happen, Ed. I mean, a freak injury to Big Ben, all of a sudden Rudolph goes. I mean, you never know how he's going to perform, how he's going to handle it. I mean, Tomlin wants to win. He's going to play the hot hand. He's going to play the better quarterback. You never know. Crazier things have happened. I mean, we saw Kurt Warner take over for the Rams and then, you know, (laughs) win the Super Bowl. So um, you never know. Like I said, Hodges has been doubted throughout college and the NFL, and here he is as a backup quarterback. I, I do wish him luck with the Steelers. You know, the thing I I really liked about him in the preseason was he just came in and he just showed confidence. He did not look like he was, uh, you know, a Stanford quarterback. He did not look like nervous. The moment did not look too big for him. And I thought it was a little bit unfair, you know, in in the preseason as, you know, they kept him as the number four and it was almost like they really never gave him a fair shot to win the backup job. No, I mean, because like you mentioned, I mean, they spent a third round pick on Mason Rudolph and Josh Dobbs was a mid round pick. So those guys were ahead of him on the depth chart. And they were just Hodges came in as as a free agent who had a camp tryout for all the records that he has set at Samford. I mean, for God's sake, I mean, the Steelers gave him a shot, but I would have I would have liked for him to to go to some other team who was desperate at quarterback. And maybe you could have won that number three job without these the starting quarterback going down it's crazy i mean the evaluation we know this the nfl draft and evaluation process it's really tricky and you got to look at some other things i just i loved his personality i loved his confidence i thought he had a really good arm and despite being undersized i just thought that he had you know the confidence to throw into tight spots and to spread the ball around and he was a smart guy so i saw some of the tools for him to develop into a successful backup quarterback i'm not you know, going to put Devlin Hodges in, in the Hall of Fame. I'm not going to compare him and say he's, he's going to be the next, you know, Drew Brees. But I saw a lot of the traits that I think we, we see guys have, um, like Devlin Hodges, that develop into really good backups for, for a long, long time. He's definitely a guy, if he has to come into the game, he's not going to play scared. And you see a lot of these backup quarterbacks, you know, they – they, they they play they play a little nervous and they they're not you know they need to get warmed up and they need to play a few games before there but he's he's he seems like he's the type of guy who you know he'll come in and he'll be a gunslinger and you know they they won't be afraid to stretch the field with him well guys the the show has come to an end um this was another episode of blitzcast this was blitzcast number 74 thank you for listening we'll be back next week take care bye bye